Hello and welcome to Building Futures Career Conversations. Career conversations with leading lights across the built environment. Today, I've got Deborah Smith from Smith & Love Planning Consultants. Hi and welcome. So we met each other on International Women's Day. That's how we know each other. Yeah. So we were on a panel together and we were discussing DE&I, which yeah. we're both really passionate about. And I remember meeting you and thinking, this is a lady I need to get to know really well. And I've been really fortunate over the last few months that we have got to know each other. And that's why I was so keen for you to come on today and to talk about your career, because I think you've had such an interesting career journey. And I know that I've been fortunate enough that you've shared some of that with me. And I think there's so many learns that I think people would be really interested in. So just for everyone who doesn't know your bio in the way that I do, can you just explain about your current role? Yes, yeah, so I um, own a small planning consultancy based in Preston. So we're a team of um, seven. I, I have a business partner um, and that, um, that consultancy has been running now since 2015. And then prior to that, um, I, I worked for myself for two, two and a half years. So for you, if you could say along your career journey, were there any sort of defining or significant moments where you had to make any big decisions and what fed into those decisions or what, can you think back on those and go, that was a pivotal moment for me in my career? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think the, the, the backstory is I've always worked. So from the age of 13, I've always had multiple jobs. So working was just the thing that I did all the time. So that's early days. Then a pivotal time, I started out in local authority, uh, did that for two and a half years. And then I thought I need to just spread my wings a little bit, get a bit more work experience of planning. So then moved into the private sector um, in a small planning practice that did mainly residential development, which was a fantastic experience in terms of my own personal professional growth um, but that was a super hard job. So it felt a little bit like being hit by a train to move into the private sector from a local authority. Um, and it was three, three men that ran that partnership. And it wasn't what I was expecting, that first job. I don't know really what my expectations were, but there was a pivotal moment in that job when I thought, this is really stressful. And it was very, very stressful. And I wasn't alone in saying that. And I, in that particular job I thought to myself how is this is this work is this how people interact with each other at work is this how people are managed in the workplace so whilst I learned a lot in planning that pivotal moment in that particular job was more about leadership and management for me it was a light bulb that went on where I thought I need to know more about this because this feels I don't know why I feel so stressed um, because I'm being managed in this particular way, why is the impact so big? Yeah. So I started to read a lot of Dale Carnegie books and eventually got my confidence back at that particular point in my life to then move on to another job. But I needed to do the reading and the learning to understand what on earth work was, really, because you don't get taught that at school. No. You know, you, no one tells you about people, that's the biggest thing, and how are you going to interact with people and how are you going to spend time in that office together and, and that kind of thing. So... Yeah, then I moved on to a company, well, Turley's, you'll, you'll, know, you'll know Turley. So I moved on to Turley's. I'd heard that they were a really good company to work for, so I sent a CV to them. Um, 
so I moved to Tilly's and that was a breath of fresh air. It was so different. Um, I really enjoyed my time at, at, at Tilly's and I got a few promotions there, which was great. And then when I had children, then came another pivotal point in terms of what to do, what yeah. to do when you've had children. Um, because I think in education and then you move into your world of work and I was very destination focused in this, you know, the, the next promotion and then I'll work towards the next role and the next role. And then you have children and it all go, it collapses like a, like a, a deck of cards because um, there's, more, there's more in your life. There's, there's more to fill your time than just work. And that's, that was the crux of it really. Um, so yeah, then there was this pivotal moment of what to do, what, what to do when I was there. So I'd got the promotions, I'd done really well. Um, I was doing some great projects, had leading, client lead on, on quite a few different clients, um, mentoring people in the office um, and other offices. Um, so I felt like I'd done really well, so I was quite crushed. <laughs> it was almost like a grieving process to go through at that point where I decided I need to move. There was a commute to work, so there was a commute from Preston to get to Manchester, which isn't a massive journey in itself, but um, at peak travel, as you know, th these things are harder, aren't they? So um, I'd always decided that I wasn't going to do that journey unless I was happy at work. So that commute was absolutely fine when I enjoyed the job. No problem whatsoever. There was a pivotal moment uh, when I'd had Ella, my youngest, uh, sorry, my eldest, um, and I'd, I'd just the two of us, we'd gone to, to uh, John Lewis at Cheadle, and I was sat in the restaurant, and um, I looked around and I realised it was really busy in the restaurant at lunchtime, and I suddenly thought to myself, and at the age of 32, I thought, looking back now, I think it's a really stupid thing to think, but I thought, why is it so busy in here? Why isn't everybody at work? <laughs> Which is what I thought, because I'd been on this... Um, treadmill of education work 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 you know and I got to the point of 32 gone on maternity leave and realized um not everybody was at work <laughs> which which seems a stupid thing to say really um but I'd also realized because work was you know working for a corporate company is um you know it's very busy you are very busy it's very time consuming it consumes a lot of thoughts outside of work um yeah, and I remember walking into my local park on maternity leave again, because these two things happened on my first maternity leave. I walked into the park, and we have a really gorgeous avenue in my local park, double tree-lined avenue, which is really nice, and I'd run around that park often. Mm. And I walked into the park with Ella in a pushchair, and I looked down the avenue, and I thought to myself, I've, I've never seen these trees before. And I'd run around that park a lot. <laughs> but it was only because my whole life had slowed down to a maternity leave pace and everything comes a lot quieter and a lot slower that I'd noticed those trees in the park that day. And what did that allow you to do, that perspective, that distance? Did it allow you to say, to have the headspace to almost go, do I want to carry on down this corporate? Because you do, in a corporate world, you have almost your career path goes. Did it allow you that space, headspace to almost go, could there be an alternative? Could I blend work and life in a different way and is that how you ended up not kind of at that setting point. in practice no okay interesting not at that point it was really gradual for me because I went back after maternity I'd had to a year off because it was it was a busy job so I took the whole year off I went back the following year and um I tried to be the person that I was before I went on maternity leave I tried to be the the person that was sharp and switched on and showed up 
and led and do all the mentoring that I did before. But I was working three days a week and then after a while I worked four days a week. But it was really hard. <laughs> it was very hard to do. Um, because Simply because you are not the person that you were before. And there is no getting away from that. You know, and I think we were all, you know, as women, we're fed a line uh, or a yarn even that um, you can have it all. And I, it didn't feel like I was having it all at that particular point. But then I, not long after that, I had a, a second child. So it was a three-year age gap between them. So I worked another two years and had Lily. And it was only, and this is the biggest pivotal point in my career, it was when I went back after having Lily. So at that point, I had one in nursery, one in school, and was commuting to Manchester. And that was so stressful, <laughs> so very stressful. And, and I really wasn't the person I was before, before Ella or before I had Lily. I'd, I'd started um, at that particular point to do some inner engineering work. Um, so to look at myself um, and how, wh why, I was, why, why was I reacting in, in, in certain ways, in certain circumstances to certain things at work. Yeah. Um, and it, we'd just come out of a recession. So when I went back after having Lily, it was 2010. So there was a slightly different pressure at work. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the economy wasn't what it was before, yeah. I, before I'd had um, Lily. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was the biggest pivotal moment of my career because I decided to leave and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had absolutely no idea. I didn't leave to start, to carry on planning or even to start a business. So, so when, and I think, by the way, can I just say, first of all, as a working mum myself, I understand and I empathise and I completely get how motherhood really challenges you but also changes you and transforms you and it's not all negative it's oh, it's about yeah. about accepting that evolution and I think that employers and especially as in the built environment as we are trying to encourage more diversity in order to do that we have to talk more about that transition that happens to women and working parents, it could not necessarily always be the woman. Sometimes it's the man that does that. that Absolutely, that part yeah. of the that's a really valid point because yeah. I think having gone through running a business and gone through that, you know, in this process of running a business, I know it's not just women that feel this. Yeah. I think men though hide it an awful lot more yeah. than um, than women do. But if we're really truly going to get more diversity, then we have to start talking more about the things that actually are the reasons it's not happening at the moment. Yeah. And that is that as an industry, we want D&I, but we also then have to do the actual work to achieve that. And that means creating more flexibility and having role models who are wanting to have that conversation about how they actually manage that process. How do we juggle this? Because you want to be able to have a career, but at the same time, you also want to be able to be present for your children. Yeah. So. Just coming back then to, to yourself, and you said you made that decision, at what point then did you go, actually, I'm going to do this, I'm going to set up? What, what was, was there a length of time with that? Was there a light bulb moment? Was it a gradual moment that you went, so, oh, okay? There was six months between me leaving Turley's and setting up the business. And in that, that period of time, um, my husband was in a job 
that he didn't enjoy. Right. And I knew he needed to leave that job for his mental health. Right. And I thought, so I, and we couldn't survive on one income. Yeah. And we couldn't survive on no income either. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, yeah. So I'd walked out of a job. I didn't ha we didn't have much left in savings because I'd, I'd just had a year off work. Yeah. So there was, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much that we were living off or had savings yeah. to dip into or anything like that. So, um, so my husband needed to leave his job and I could see that coming. I thought, I'm, I j my only thought was, I need to earn some money. Yeah. That, that was it. When I left, that was it. I need to earn some money. And um, somebody came to me, uh, it was my, my mother-in-law said, she had a friend She's got a fence that's been refused planning permission. Um, can you do an appeal for her? <laughs> that was it, a fence. So, um, so I, did, um, I did the appeal. Um, unfortunately, I didn't win that appeal for the fence, but I did tell her it was 50-50 at the outset. Um, and I think I charged her about 50 pounds to, to do that appeal for her. Um, and then, then I realized actually, I, planning is a very good career. It's, it is a very interesting career. Um, it's getting harder um, because of lack of resources in local authorities and the government isn't doing anything about all sorts of things that need to be changed in planning. It's, it's overcomplicated. But I think as a career, at that point, I thought, actually, it's not, I haven't fallen out of love with planning at all. Um, it was just that what I was doing was really difficult yeah. and prevented me from doing it. So it was really easy to set up because I wasn't scared of failure because I would have just gone, oh, well, I tried it, it didn't work. Yes. I, I, you know, at that point, I'd left a job. So yeah. all I needed was a laptop and some insurance. Yeah. And that was it. So, um, so I set it up. I didn't take any clients that I had before. I had some contacts, but I didn't take clients that I'd had before because the work that I did at Turley's was very different right. and often needed a team of people to do that. But through some contacts, I started to get um, some work. And it was really organic. I had no website. It was all word of mouth and referrals, but that's exactly what it needed to be in the first two years because yes. my youngest, Lily, was one. Right. So it was managing how you, as a parent, you could then manage running your own business. And then did it continue to grow in that organic way in terms of your own consultancy? So, yeah. So I was two years in and, real, and I thought, this is great. This is, this is great. I'm really enjoying this. Um, I've got some great clients. I'm managing to fit it in with the children all good. Um, and then after the two year mark, um, I started to get really busy. And I started to think actually it'd be quite nice to share this with somebody because I'm quite enjoying this. Yeah. Um, so I got in touch with somebody that I used to work with um, at Turley's and it, it took a while to, to get him involved yeah. <laughs> and to uh, you know bring him into the business. But then we set up the partnership. So by the time that um, my business partner joined, um, I already had enough work for more than one person. Yeah. So, um, and there are problems, you know, it, it was great. The, the, one particular problem is holidays. Right. So when you set up your this own business, yeah. So I'm trying to think of the things that might be no, I will, interesting. Because, so, because I think it really is. So if you work for yourself, because I've, I've worked for a local authority, I've worked for a partnership, I've worked for a corporate company, I've worked as a sole trader, and now this is a limited company that, yeah. that I own. So I've worked in a few different organizations. So one of the problems with working for yourself, um, yeah, lots of freedom as such, but you still have clients that you need to work for and booking holidays can be quite difficult because I, I, what I stopped doing was booking holidays far in advance 
because of, um, you know, maybe I needed to be at a hearing or a public inquiry or I might have a deadline yeah. um, or a planning application was going to go in two weeks before and then you've got your holiday and all the documents land on the Friday before you were going on holiday and there was no, there's nobody else to do it, you know, and that's, that's the difficulty of working on your own. Um, and especially, I think, if you're female and new, as well you want to meet yeah. everybody's expectations Absolutely. you know and I can't say that I was co all confident you know I really had to nobody tells you yeah Debbie you're great you know you can do this um you know I really it was like starting again so starting as a sole trader um and it just being me was like starting my career again at that point because even though I was a planner yes it's different being a planner in a corporate organization than it yeah. is being a planner as a sole trader. So outside of the holiday, what other practical tips could you give? Because I get asked this all the time by people that we're helping with their careers. When they get to a certain stage, if they work for a big corporate, big contractor, big consultancy, even you know big public sector organisations, there's often a point with any discipline within the built environment, and everything to architecture, engineers, planners, etc., surveyors, where they often say, is this the right time for me to set up on my own? What wisdom would you pass on having gone through it, now set up a business that's up and running? Obviously, there's the holiday you mentioned. Is there anything more? I think that you need to ask, you need to know yourself well enough to be able to ask your yourself the question, what do you want? What is it that you want? Because I've reflected on that a lot. <laughs> I've reflected on why did you set the business up? What was it that you wanted initially? Because what I found in the first three years of the partnership was that it was the hardest time of my whole life. That was incredibly hard. Um, because as well as running the business, as, as well as being a planner, and I've got a new business partner, and we, we, got on, we get on very well, um, but you have to be everything. I mean, that's the other thing. You know, you've got to be everything. You've got to be, um, you've got to, your marketing, your HR, you are recruitment, you are accounts and yeah. you're bookkeeping and everything. And I'm not good at everything. Yes. I'm good at a lot of stuff. But yeah. I'm planning not, in particular, but yeah. Yes. Well, I'm not good at everything. Yeah. And you have to forgive yourself for that, that you can't yeah. do everything. You just have to be able to bring in the right people. Yes. Um, so I think for anybody who's, want, who's thinking of setting up their own business, the key question is, um, why? What is it? What is it? Do you that you want? What is it that you want? And is there a right answer to that that would lead to, and therefore it's a good idea to set up on your own? No, no, <laughs> because everybody's unique. Yeah. So the motivation for anybody is probably going to be different. Yeah. The, the thought that stays in my mind from when I left Turley's that key point when I went, I can't do this. I'm really stressed, yeah. and I I can't raise my kids with a stressed mum. Yeah. It was really, really important to me that they weren't going to be raised by somebody that was stressed and I was going to be totally, yeah. I was, if I was having children, I was having children and looking yeah. after them, you know. Um, so the reason I left and the, put, and, the, and the thing that stays in my mind is that I left because I wanted to see more of the children. Yeah. And that's why the first three years were really hard because that didn't happen. I don't think, I mean, you know, yeah. they're just, uh, it, 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 there was guilt. Yeah. On a conscious level, there probably wasn't guilt. And in very recently, in the beginning of this year, a friend said to me, 
he said, do you think, um, do you think you carry any guilt over, you know, the, how much you've worked? And I said, uh, quickly, I said, no, no, I dealt with that. I've dealt with that. And then the day after, literally less than 24 hours later, I was in um, a coaching session that somebody had offered me. We'd met networking. He said, um, do, would you like me to offer some coaching to you for an hour? So I was like, yeah, we'll do that online. That's yeah, Thank great. you. Yeah. You know, thank you. Yeah. So he said, tell me a bit about yourself. Yeah. So I started to tell him um, mm. about my background and I had left Turley's mm. and um, I left because I, I, you know, I wanted to see more of the children. And this emotion hit me in the stomach from nowhere. <laughs> and I just filled up. Yeah. So on a subconscious level, it, it, it was there. I, I was still carrying guilt from, you know, working. Well, we have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, we have to talk about That's it. Real because life. because it, we are, as an industry, very conscious of 1% of people on site are women, 13% across the industry are women. That is where we're at. There is no organisation that I have dealt with, big or small, public or private sector, across the built environment that doesn't say to me, one of their three key goals is to get greater DNI. So actually the conversation we're having needs to happen because what we don't want to do is have a load of, of wonderful women who do actually choose to become architects, site managers, planners, engineers, surveyors, etc. who then, because of what happens when they then choose to have a family, are then, and, and maybe not even having that conversation with their, their bosses about how the guilt. So it's, it's kind of and how they get that work-life fit. And I think we have to, because as an industry, we have to evolve. We can't expect people to change for the industry. The industry has to evolve yeah. so that we, yeah. that's how we achieve it. So I think, I think it's great that you actually have talked, have talked about it today and the, the steps you've taken to it. Can I just circle back to the start? I guess I've got two questions. The first one is, what it's great so you as a young lady did choose planning what made you choose planning in the first place <laughs> it's a complete accident right so i was um i i was really good at drawing and art and textiles that was my bag right. and it was simply because i was at college and i had no idea what to do at university but everybody else is going to university so i should go to university right. got it yeah okay which happens a lot yeah because my daughter's 17 now and it's looking like that. She's going to do it because everybody else is doing yeah, it. So, doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so um, I literally went through the uh, UCAS prospectus uh, A to Z like this. And I remember doing it A to Z, trying to find something that I could do at university. Um, I was thinking about textiles or fashion or something like that. Um, but I thought this is just going to be potluck for me. If I, if I managed to get to create a career in fashion or design or textiles. I feel like that would just be chance. So I thought, I'm, well, I don't think I could do that. So I just went A to Z and I got down to U, which is nearly at Z, urban planning, looked it up and you needed economics or geography to do urban planning. I, I, I'd done economics. So I'd done arts, politics, economics, fell into all of those really, except for the art as well. Um, and did urban planning and I really liked it and I really liked, there's no drawing in it. I thought there was some drawing, but there is no drawing in planning that you need architecture for that. Yeah. Um, but I really liked the um, sociology side right. of planning. Yes. I really liked the built environment um, in terms of, um, you know, well-designed places, um, landscaping, materials, you know, I have a great appreciation for that. Um, but I don't, um, you know, I can't draw. 
I can't draw buildings or anything like that. So I like, you know, I love that. But the reason that I am a planner as well, because I do, I, I go into schools and colleges as well and talk to people about careers, is uh, so I've, I've thought about this in recent yes. in recent years. Yeah. You know, why do I like planning? Yeah. What is it? Uh, what is it that I like about it? And that's um, meeting new people, um, seeing new places, and solving problems. There's mm. lots of problem solving in planning. Increasingly so. And also creative thinking. I, th I should imagine you have to think quite laterally in planning and overcoming that problems. It's like 360 thinking. Mm. Oh, yeah. You the way that you problem solve now, I, I couldn't explain the process, but <laughs> the yeah. solving a problem now in planning is, um, is a skill that I've been able to apply in my own life in dealing with um, some of my personal um uh, not issues, because it's not issues as such. Emotional baggage that you, yeah. everybody carries, you know, no major issues, yeah. but it's just, you know, personality yeah. stuff. Um, that level of problem solving and analysis, I've been able to apply on myself. So that kind of leads quite nicely to my next question, which is, so you said earlier, you said that you read around, when you'd got to the world of work, you said that, which is absolutely true, by the way, and I remember going through this myself when I left university and started working, no one teaches you almost those unwritten rules about the world of work, and you said you'd researched it. And I wonder, can you share not only, I guess, what you've learned about how to work and that, how you manage yourself, because you said you learned how to almost be at work. Yeah. Now, I should imagine yeah. it's gone beyond the Dale Carnegie books that you talked about, because now you've got even more experience about that. How do you manage yourself in the world of work to become incredibly successful? What, what are those hacks? What are you doing? Um, so that's taken 14 years of training myself um, in certain, and, and how I do that is, is, is I, I read, it, it was reading, reading right. books. Right. I can give you a book on anything, right. <laughs> anything to do. In with fact, you have recommended some to exactly. me already. So yes, yes. I do recommend a lot of yes. books. Um, in fact, I've just bought two on the way. Here, so. There you go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, reading, it started out with reading and then it's moved into uh, watching videos and uh, YouTube and podcasts and courses and it's been my number one priority and this is not selfish has been myself because I, re I realized very quickly um, when I first started working in the private sector and then more so as a parent and again more so as somebody that runs a business and has staff to look after um, that if I'm not right no nobody's right you know, Absolutely. and in in the winter of 2018, after this th three years of intense work where it was deadline, 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 constant, and me thinking, this doesn't look like success. Um, that's when I really had to dig deep. And it was a fierce determination to get to know myself more and better um, so I could handle the things that, that we've all got to handle, the things that come at you, and an, an angry email, yeah. a client who won't pay a bill, yeah. a particular kind of client. I'd noticed that I had a particular kind of client, yeah. and a lot of my clients are men. Yeah. So, you know, I need to, I need to, I'd, I'd realised I was stepping up to match yeah. certain characters. Um, and I needed to learn a lot about myself in order to work out why I was so triggered in particular yeah. situations. And reading around, were there any particular authors or books that were, or was it just a su succession of continuous learning and just watching different things? It's constant. Really, right. 
it was there's two there's two two things I applied on a daily basis. Although one of them I've only just picked up on a daily basis. I can't say that I've done this for four years, but the thing that I did and have done for 14 years, and I've eased off a bit now because I've done a lot of learning, but it's, there isn't an end point, it's, this is a journey, um, is witnessing my own thoughts, feelings and emotions. So using a witness or an observer um, to do that. And I don't mean another person, I mean in my, taking so you, yourself so out of yourself. That, exact process, what does that look like? Well, I've recently thought to myself, what. What did I do there? Yeah. How did I do that? How, how would I explain that to somebody? And I heard somebody explain it the other day like this, and she said, if you are triggered by something, um, imagine, just visualise you're going to take that emotion that you've just, you know, you've just been hit by something, someone's come at you, um, and it's really triggered you in some way. And she said, just imagine you're going to take that emotion out of you and place it in front of you and look at it, and this is where the planning skills come in for problem um, analysis. Look at the emotion from all angles because we've only ever got one we've only ever got our own lens our own view on the world and that's where the problems come in because you only ever look at it from one angle yeah. so you need to start to think um you know look at look at this from all angles have i been tri triggered like this before in another situation because quite often and when you get to my age as well you'll have been or you know you, you will have been triggered before yeah. in the same way and that's why i was finding I was finding the things that bothered me when I first started working in the private sector when I was 25, yeah. they were showing up again with a different person with a different costume, but it was the, it was the same trigger. Yeah. So um, that's helped me in work massively. Yeah. Um, it's helped me to deal with difficult clients when I've needed to, not that we have many, because I'm quite blessed that a lot of our clients are lovely. <laughs> um, and it's helped me with children. Yeah. And it's dealing with the work, because I, I heard someone say it's not about work-life balance, it's about work-life fit. Because it isn't, you're not two separate people, you're the same person. And the world's, you don't become a different person at home or, and you're not a different person at work. It's how you make it fit and how you are genuine in both of those. Yeah. And I should imagine that you can apply it in any situation, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I think we talk a lot, don't we, about authenticity at work. But um, that's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. And also... Um, who are you? Because <laughs> you've got a role. You know, I've got I've got a lot of roles. You know, I run a business. I'm a I'm a planner. Um, I'm a parent. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. And by the time you've operated all of these roles for a number of years, you forget who you are. <laughs> Somewhere in there is something that looks like an authentic you. Um, but you play that many roles. Yeah. And I was t desperately trying to bring an authentic. Um, leader to work but I think it's look I think this has been amazing honesty but also practical what you've talked about today because I think we all and I don't this is a gender thing I think ultimately we all have those roles regardless of gender regardless of background that we're all trying to achieve success in work but also we're all trying to deal with what work gives to us as well and the, and the baggage that can give and I think that it's been so helpful for you to describe in real practical terms how you actually do that. And I think that idea of almost placing that emotion, dispassionately looking at it, trying to understand what, how do I feel about that, take myself out of it, strip the, what is that emotion, why am I triggered by that, how can I deal with that in a different way? I found that really fascinating to listen to. 
I also am so interested in that journey that you've had to create your own consultancy and that honesty of how did it happen, what's been hard about it. And, and, I, and I hope that people who've listened to this and, and, have, and have had that thought at some point and gone, maybe I want to do this, have, have thought about, have learned something. So thank you so much for coming in and chatting to us today. Um, I'm sure people can reach out to you on social media if they want to um, know more about Absolutely. you and your yeah. journey. Yeah. Um, and thank you all very much for tuning in today. You can hear further episodes on our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Instagram and you can get the podcast both on Apple and Spotify. Mm-hmm.